blurbless. Blurbless. I ain't gonna write no blurb. I'm no good at blurbing. You're too. You gotta do the blurbing. No, I'm the comic relief. I don't want to do anything (laughs) serious. Jeez, (laughs) would be bad for our, you know, our vast listenership. What you looking for? Needed my timepieces so I could go. It's 6.58 p.m. Friday, March 22nd, 2019. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> Special Friday evening edition. We do this sometimes, don't we? We've we do. Done this. We've we done have this done before. this before. We've done this before. And it's usually because there's some kind of special, some kind of thing going on on Saturday that we have to attend to early in the time when we would normally be doing the show. We used to do it a lot when we would drive down Portland. See? There you go. That's what I'm talking about. So, it has been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. It's just winding down, even as we speak. And who's got the big activities this weekend? Not me. Oh, no. (laughs) Not me. No, no. Over to you, Diane. Tell us all about it. Well, I'm going back to school. Diane goes back to school. Just for a weekend. Oh, I see. I'm taking a class in death doula training. This is the first, I don't know, it's like the first level, I guess is what. Level one, yeah. Level one. That is for uh, friends and family. I mean, just... Uh, just to be someone who's there someone who's there or like a companion in the last well, days well I, I think that there's a lot of a lot to it and I don't know it all yet I'll know a lot more tomorrow sounds like they they kind of go where the family needs them to go whether it's you know organizing services and uh, really <laughs> the phone's ringing <laughs> This is what happens when you do it on a Friday evening because it's, you know. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. Stuff's still, you know, going on. We got lots of, you know, it's like party central here. <laughs> yeah, ham and eggs. So, I mean, like helping with uh, arrange for services and stuff like that, arrange for medications, maybe some of the same kind of stuff you were doing for your mom? Well, I think um, the best thing to do to introduce people to this is play a little short introduction to Death Doula. Death doula. Now, if people aren't familiar with the term doula, doula is a term that I got introduced to when my kids were being born, and we had midwives involved with our childbirth, and doula was like the non-medical person who was just there to do the other stuff that needed to be done, to kind of be there, uh, to be of, of help to the, to the expectant mother, or to the, you know, freaked out father, or to whoever or whomever might need assistance in the moment, including the midwife. Right. So, so there's the death doula is different than a death midwife, right? I, mean, I, I am, mean, okay. I will know more about all of this after this weekend. So this, uh, this audio clip that we're going to play is from, is actually the person you're going to be being instructed from? What's yes. Her, what's her name? Ashley Benham. Okay. So we should go ahead and play that audio. Yeah. Okay. I am a death midwife, which is a new term for a very old practice. People come to death midwifery now as a reason uh, to get care and support with 
the current medical model that we have and the legal model that we have, there's a lot of misinformation about how to get true allyship, companionship, and advocacy in and around death and dying. As a midwife, we're there to walk with someone through their dying process. The way our current system is set up is we're really good at specializing in estate planning or legal services or specific medical practices, but we don't have anything that looks at the big picture and really is looking at how to create a space that supports someone's version of quality of life all the way through their dying. And that's where death midwifery comes in place, where we're really looking at helping our folks figure out what their true needs are and then helping them resource to get those needs covered from community services to who's going to mow their lawn to who's going to get meals for them and how they're going to get transported to the doctor to making sure that their spiritual care is taken care of all of the different places. So our job is to be there as a true companion and then to walk with them as an ally when they need it and then to be there as an advocate should that come into play towards the end. So it sounds like they do kind of, they're kind of like all-purpose people. My own thought is that there are so many aspects to this transition. Right. And I like the idea that there's someone who brings you into the world and helps with your parents and siblings and other people that they're helping with that transition for those people too yeah. and the same as you exit the world that yeah. somebody is helping out because really the reason why this even came to me as a, a concept was when everything was happening for my mom and not just in her death but just the all the things that happened when she had a fall and had to go into a facility and it's rugged on a family. Yeah. And I had thought at the time, man, I really want to do something to help people in this process in the future. Seems like some of the best help that we got in that process is when the the hospice people talked to us that time. Oh, yeah. That was just very reassuring and comforting and all kinds of different things. I think the interesting aspect of this is that people are, are immensely curious about it. When I say that I'm taking this training, everybody is very curious about it. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that people aren't seeing it as a morbid, weird thing that I'm doing. Because in actuality, it's just another transition, just like all the other transitions you go through in the life. Right. It's just that it's a much more mysterious one because you're not here anymore. You're not around to tell us what it was like. But when you were a baby, that was a mysterious transition too. True. And it's not like you can ask a baby, what was it like right before? Yeah. Yeah. Although I'd like to. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody would like to, and everybody would like to ask, you know, old people, what was it like right after? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's these cool. little mysterious times that we have, but, but I just felt like there were a lot of things that I learned during that process that I would like to help other people through that time, even if all I do is listen. But I never knew that there was this sort of a function 
until I read about it in the magazine. And I talked on the Bill and Diane show at that time right. about that right. because it was so exciting to me that yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that happened. But I, I actually see this as um, something that I may go into more when I'm retired, if, if it is attractive to me. So. Cool. Well, I just got back from a birthday party. My buddy Frank, one of my old bus driver buddies from the Lake City lot, uh, turned 64 today. And they had organized a gathering for him up at Goldie's on Aurora. And so I went up there to help Frank celebrate his birthday. It was fun. Another transition. Another transition. Birthdays are always transitions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every day is a transition, but I think that we always just think of these times. We mark times by birthdays and anniversaries and stuff. Do you think that people, once they hit 60, they start thinking about they start thinking differently about, like, you know, death and stuff. I don't know, because it does seem like there's there's kind of a growing kind of sense of uh, kind of taking death back from the medical community. It wasn't, it wasn't, we, we, we saw that movie. Aren't they saying, like, 75% of people wish they could die at home and, like, 75% yeah. of people end up dying in hospitals? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Well, the article I read about this particular training mentioned those statistics and said that the baby boomers are actually doing something with the uh, institutionalization of death in the same way that they did when hmm. um, when they changed things for the birth Natural system, for childbirth. Child like yeah. So... Baby boomers like to move and shake things around. I think. Well, yeah, and they're a, they're are they are still the largest kind of segment of the population, right? We should say we, because oh, we, we are part of the. Did baby we say boomers. they? Did I say they? I may have said they. Yeah, we are. We are part of the baby boomers. Yep, yeah. and we're all getting old and dying now. Soon they won't be any baby boomers. Oh well. <laughs> the world will be a poorer place, but I won't be around to worry about it. <laughs> it's always hard for me to do shows on Friday because I'm still kind of a little from the from the work day. My brain just doesn't operate quite quite as speedily. Yeah. But we have music to go along with our theme. Right? <laughs> yes, we do. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. <laughs> Why don't you talk a little bit about that, Diane? <laughs> Ew, boy. And we can be done. That's good coffee. <laughs> I always find it so interesting that you're the radio broadcaster, but you always want me to talk. Well, I mean, you're usually the one that's, that's got the content. You know, I'm just like the, I'm like the ringmaster. I kind of, you know. I pitch to you because you're the one who has usually has something of substance to say. And then I can write on your coattails and say pithy things. You know, kind of drafting off what you are saying. Bill and I have played a lot of Dave Carter and Tracy Grammer, and I'm sure we have done this song before. Yes, I'm sure we've we have. We've probably done it several times. 
don't know if we've done it several times. We've probably done it twice, though. But it is just one of the most remarkable songs. And I strongly feel that part of the reason why I'm so fascinated by this death doula training, the fact that it's springing up everywhere, is this idea of, of seeing death in more of a positive light instead of a negative one. And that's one of the things I loved about this song, is uh, sort of showing the transition as a powerful statement of one's life rather than just a fading off into the distance kind of a thing. Yeah. And I remember when I first heard it, I just wept and just thought it was so wonderful. Dave Carter's imagery is always amazing to me. And I think he certainly was a person who had one foot out of outside of this sphere at all times. And so I think that when he did die himself, that he was just as curious about it as when he was um, alive because he actually died and, and had sort of this momentary coming back to life and saying how amazing it was and then died again. It was a kind of amazing thing that he did that. So it was the song that came to my mind in preparation for my weekend activities. I'm, I'm thinking that this, this training, I, I'm almost thinking of it as a weekend-long meditation yeah. with other people. Well, yeah, you had talked about taking an, getting another poem to take, and maybe you should play Dave's song. I was kind of thinking that I would yeah. bring it, but I don't know exactly how I could bring it and play it for everybody yeah. but I I could just tell people about it yeah. but um, I think that it'll be interesting to see who else comes I think a lot of people who come to this may be younger and um, I think that there will be people who want to make this their livelihood and I'll be very interested to see the people who are taking this mission as part of their lives should be a grand adventure so we'll need an update next week yeah yeah so stay tuned everybody and in the meantime little dave carter and tracy grammer Falcon when I go Bear me my brother Under your wing I will strike Fill like lightning when I go I will bellow like the thunder Drum invoke the storm of war A twisting pillar spun in dust and blood Up from the prairie floor I will sweep the foe before me like a gale out on the snow And the wind will long recount the story Reverence and glory when I go
Spring spirit dancer, nimble and thin, I will leap like coyote when I go. Tireless entrancer, lend me your skin, I will run like the gray wolf when I go. I will climb the rise at daybreak, I will kiss the sky at noon, raise my yearning voice at midnight to my mother in the moon. I will make the lay of long defeat and draw the chorus slow. I'll send this message down the wire and hope that someone wise is listening when I go. And when the sun comes trumpets from his red house in the east, he will find a standing stone where long I chanted my release. He will send his morning messenger to strike the hammer blow, and I will crumble down uncountable in showers of crimson rubies when I go. Sigh, mournful sister, whisper and turn. I will rattle like dry leaves when I go. Stand in the mist where my fire used to burn. I will camp on the night breeze when I go. And should you glimpse my wandering form out on the borderline, between death and resurrection and the council of the pines. Do not worry for my comfort, do not sorrow for me so. All your diamond tears will rise up and adorn the sky beside me when I go.